So I thought that I was going to do this for the welcome, and then God told me not to, so I'm going to say it now. It really has nothing to do with what I'm about to say, but it's okay. So does anyone like history? Anybody? Okay, there's like two people. That's good. Um, so we're going to learn a little church history today. Um, does anyone know what today is? Yay! People know what this. Okay. So, um, I'm going to read this. It's from Christianity.com. It's just a basic explanation of what Ash Wednesday and Lent is. If you don't understand it, this is going to give you a good explanation. Each year, Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of Lent and is always 46 days before Easter Sunday. Ash Wednesday sermons are repentant and reflective in nature. The mood is solemn. Many services will have long periods of silence, and worshipers will often leave the service in silence. The congregation will be invited to receive the ashes on their foreheads, usually as the priest or pastor will dip his fingers into the ashes, spread them in a cross pattern on the forehead, and say, from dust you came, and from dust you will return. So that's what Ash Wednesday is. It's the very beginning of Lent. Lent is a 40-day season, not counting Sundays. Marked by repentance, fasting, reflection, and ultimately celebration. The 40-day period represents Christ's time of temptation in the wilderness where he fasted and where Satan tempted him. Lent asks believers to set aside a time each year for similar fasting, marking an intentional season of focus on Christ's life, ministry, sacrifice, and resurrection. So if you didn't know what Lent was, it's just a, a reflective time uh, a lot of different churches, Protestants and Catholics do it. Um, I just think it's really important for you to understand what the church does. You should understand all parts of it. So that's what I have to say about Ash Wednesday. It's nothing to do with what I'm about to say. So we're in the Galatians series. Last week we talked about, um, Dad talked about um, Paul rebuking uh, Peter, which is like one of my favorite passages, but you know, I didn't get to that, but it's fun. Um, so we're in Galatians 3 today. Um, so it kind of starts out kind of rough, I guess, but that's exactly how Galatians starts out. We talked about how, um, the Galatians were called out, um, pretty much immediately. Unlike most of Paul's letters where he, like, starts it out kind of smooth and he tells them what they did good and then he, like, immediately with Galatia, he just immediately was like, y'all are messing up this and this and this. And uh, I think that's really important. Um, so in Galatians 3, verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So he starts out with calling them fools. So that's a really strong word in the Bible. God doesn't use that very often, and when he uses it, it's, it's very intentional. Um, Proverbs 26.6 says, Never let a fool carry your message. If you do, it will be like cutting off your own feet. You are only asking for trouble. So the church at Galatia was called to carry this message of Christ to the people surrounding him. Um, most likely the people around them were Jewish um, people. But never let a fool carry your message. Well, he just distinctly called them foolish. The second thing that I think we should know is who has cast an evil spell on you? 
You don't say the words cast a spell unless you really mean it. So what he's about to say is about to be really important. He says, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. The meaning of Jesus Christ's death, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. Verse 2, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So, the first part of that that really sticks out to me is um, the Holy Spirit is the central part. It's not, it's not something that comes along after. The Holy Spirit is the central part, and it's what makes them distinct Christians and not Jewish anymore. So, the difference between the law of Moses and the current faith is solely the Holy Spirit. The law of Moses is still good, it's still beneficial. It doesn't say completely drop the law of Moses. That's not what it says. It says, that's not what gave you the Holy Spirit. I gave you the Holy Spirit. So, the message of Christ is our new standard of discipline because it's ordained by the giving of the Holy Spirit. The message of Christ is the gospel, his resurrection. It's God's grace. And so that gives us a little bit of insight into what, what he's really saying. We shouldn't be present where the Holy Spirit isn't. In our hearts, in our minds, in our focus, we shouldn't be where the Holy Spirit doesn't reside. And the Holy Spirit wasn't a part of the law of Moses. It's still good. It's still beneficial. still something we should do in some cases. But it's not the central focus anymore. The central focus is the grace. Verse 3. How foolish can you be? Oh, he said it again. After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? I didn't really like this. I didn't really want to talk about this because of this verse. Is anybody in here a perfectionist? Me. Like, bad. Like, really, really bad. I get made fun of because it's so bad. By me trying to be perfect... It takes away the goodness of God's grace. That's, we can't live holding ourselves to a perfect perfection standard because that means that God's grace wasn't enough. We're not holding on to the Jewish traditions anymore. So Jewish tradition is, is very thorough. They have tons of holidays, circumcision, which we were talking about last week when Paul was calling out Peter and following the law, the sacrifices, all that is very um, Jewish. Judaism is tough. It would be hard to follow Judaism because it's so rigorous. Um, but we understand through this verse, the leadership of the Holy Spirit comes through God's grace on the cross. It's not good enough for us to try to be perfect on our own. Because we're, that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be set apart. In verse 4, Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? So at this day and time, um, all people in the church were experiencing pretty heavy persecution. 
people were dying for the cause of Christ. And that could be a reason that the Church of Galatia was kind of stepping back into their old Jewish customs. No, I can't really blame them. It would be difficult to say I'm going to be set apart and I'm not going to hold steady to what I'm believing because I might die for it. It's, um, it would be very difficult to keep, keep in the faith at this point. We don't really understand that here in the U.S., but around the world that's a serious issue, and it's something that people still face today. Verse 5, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? So he puts, give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles beside each other. The Holy Spirit, we take it for granted, and we just throw it away like it's nothing most of the time. He, he compares the Holy Spirit to working miracles. The Holy Spirit and Christ's resurrection power living within us, and we just ignore it. We go on our day-to-day lives and pretend like we don't have the Holy Spirit residing within us. But at this point, the Holy Spirit is this thing that's setting them apart from everyone around them. That's us. The Holy Spirit is the only thing that sets us apart from everyone else. Because on our own, we're not good. And our free will will mess us up every single time because we'll always choose the wrong thing. We say it's free will, but really we just suck and we're just going to do the worst thing possible. I just said suck. I don't know if I should say that, but <laughs> I did. Um, I just, we throw away the Holy Spirit so much and we pretend like it's, it's something that is not to be treasured. But the whole point of this whole thing is that the Holy Spirit is what makes us different. We're called to be different because of the Holy Spirit living within us. Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So earlier it talked about you received the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. So, I did a welcome not long ago, and I talked about how we inherit Abraham's promises because... We are the children of God, and he gives us um, what he gives to Abraham because of that. That's through Jesus. Abraham's righteousness, along with ours, has nothing to do with our efforts. It can't be because of anything else except for our faith. It says, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith, not because Abraham was a great guy. Not because Abraham did all the things that he was asked to do. Abraham did have obedience when he was called to kill Isaac. He did follow God into the desert when it didn't make sense. And he turned from his pagan faith and listened to God when he called him. But that's not what made him righteous. What made him righteous was his faith in all of those things. His faith to take Isaac up on the mountain and put him on the altar. His faith to follow God into the desert and not know where he was going. 
His faith to turn from his pagan ways that he was taught from his entire family and turn away from that and follow God, though that's what made him righteous, not the things that he did. There's no way that we could be good enough on our own standards. If Abraham, the father of Judaism, the, the man that was called by God from his pagan ways, if he isn't good enough and it's just his faith, there's no way that we can do it. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make his Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So it says what the scripture looked forward to. So personally, I really love prophecy and then finding it in the New Testament. This is, um, this is full of it here. Genesis 22, 17 through 18. It won't be up there, but I'll read it. I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all nations of the earth will be blessed because of you have obeyed me. Abraham's faithfulness, thank goodness, says that and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed so the descendant specifically that is talking about is jesus he's who blesses us and thank goodness abraham had his obedience if abraham would have done it someone else would have but isn't it a great story that abraham was promised descendants and conquering of the enemies because those are now our promises we're now in abraham's family because of the calling that he put on his life so long ago. Through Christ, we become inheritance of God's promises to Abraham specifically. Verse 10 says, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. So that's another word that God doesn't use often, and when he does, it's very specific curse. Um, he says it twice. And that's uh, when God says something. Actually, he says it three times, sorry. When God says something three times, that means he really wants you to get it. So he says, For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not obey all the commandments and observe that are... Never mind, let me start over. Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So... That's kind of scary because it says those who depend on the law will be cursed because we know we're going to mess up. We know that when we try to do good things, it always ends up failing. And every time I try to get anything right, it's going to go wrong because on my own effort, it's going to be messed up. And it says, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So every single thing written in here if I don't do it I'm cursed no that's if I depend on the laws to be my salvation so let's see this is the Old Testament 
most of this is law, about 60%. So that 60% of that whole book, if I don't follow it and I try to depend on the law, I'm going to be cursed. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. So this verse just condemns those attempting to live by the law. Deuteronomy 27:26 says, Cursed is anyone who does not affirm and obey the terms of these instructions. And all of you will reply, Amen. Cursed is anyone who does not affirm and obey all the terms of these instructions. If we can't keep up with all of the rules and all of the things that God has placed in Moses, we're condemned. We can't achieve the perfection required to live by the law. We will mess up. When Jesus came, his perfection took the place of where ours needed to be. Because he knew that we couldn't do it. He knew that every time we would fall short. We needed him to die so that we could live in his perfection. So this is the part that really is hard to talk about for me because this is the thing that I struggle with so much. If we could attain perfection, it would be irrational for God to send his son to die on our behalf. It would not make sense for God to send his son to die for me if I could have made the way myself. Even if just one of us could have made it, just one of us in this room, and then another one of us at a church down the road, and another one of us, that would still be a lot of people. But not one of us can. It would just be irrational for God to send his son if we could do it. But we still have a new standard of righteousness through the Holy Spirit. The transition from the law to the faith for these Jews at this time was really big. And so what, what he's calling them to do is not easy. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. So, what Paul is asking them to do is change the way they raise their children, change the way that they eat, change the way that they dress, change the way that they go to work, change the way that they pray, change the holidays that they celebrate, the trips that they go on because there's always a pilgrimage to Jerusalem in Judaism, the sacrifices that they make. He's calling them to change their entire lives. What he's asking them to do is what we're asked to do. Although that doesn't really look like that in most of our lives. It doesn't change the way that we raise our children most of the time. It doesn't change the way that we go on trips or the way that we dress or the way that we talk. Most of the time we just live the way that we want to live and then we come in here and we think, if we look good enough or if we work hard enough or we seem like we're following the law that we're okay but it's not about what it seems like and it's not about what it looks like from the external 
Because that's all the Jews were worried about. The Jews were worried about what it looked like from the outside. But that's not it at all. It's about what's inside. It's about the Holy Spirit that resides. That's why it was so important that God's grace that came to us was through the Holy Spirit. Because He resides within us. So now we don't have to make those choices on our own that we know we're going to mess up. Unless we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoings. That's the third time he used the word curse. He took upon himself the curse. The curse that was supposed to condemn us when it said... When it said that we weren't good enough. Cursed is anyone who does not affirm and obey the terms of these instructions. He took upon that curse because he knew that we couldn't. And he he was perfect because he knew that we wouldn't so that we could have something that we could never attain on our own. Verse 14. written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So it says, it says cursed like it said cursed before because Christ took on a different curse. He took on the curse for being hung on a tree and we take on the curse for not being able to live up to the standards. And through taking on those curses for us, his sacrifice was sufficient. His sacrifice wasn't enough because he knew that we couldn't. But the part that makes that even better is the fact that it didn't just end with him making the sacrifice. Because that would mean that the sacrifice was necessary and it was done. And if God if God wouldn't have resurrected Jesus, the sacrifice would still be good. It still would work. He still would have taken our place. But he didn't end it there. He was resurrected so that we could see that that curse no longer has a hold on us. The death no longer has a place for us because he took our sin. He took our shame, and he took everything that we didn't deserve, or that we did deserve, when he didn't, so that we could live. He took our sin and our burden of attaining perfection, knowing our free will was corrupt. See, it wasn't originally corrupt. We weren't originally messed up and when sin entered the world through Eve the corruption began but I think I think a lot of times Eve gets a bad rap because she was the first one but if you were there 
and someone deceived you, maybe in a different way, maybe with a different type of thing, maybe a fruit isn't the way that it would go, maybe it's money or sex or drugs or alcohol, maybe if it was something a little bit different that was a little bit more tasteful to you, you think that you would have made the same mistake. The curse given to those that could not obey the commandments in Deuteronomy and the curse about being hung on a tree was placed on Jesus so that we could be blameless in spite of our sin and the corrupt nature of our being. We're not ever going to be able to not sin. And at no point will we be able to stop sinning. But if we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit that was given to us, not through the law and not through Moses and not, not through that, but through Christ's message, we may be able to become closer to perfection. That's what we're called to be. I'm not called to be perfect all the time, and I'm not called to get everything right, and I'm not called to pretend like I have it all together. Because I don't. And that's just accepted and not right on my part because I don't always have it together. But the Holy Spirit allows me to be able to do things like this. Because if it wasn't for Him, I would just be standing up here talking for nothing. And it would be my words and they would not be good enough. They would be nowhere near good enough. Becoming the children of God through God's grace, through his message, through Christ's death, and receiving the promises of Abraham as Gentiles, when we shouldn't receive the promises of Abraham because we're Gentiles and we're not, we're not God's chosen people. We're not the people that come from the line of Abraham. He, he selectively picked Abraham to be, his, to be the father of his children. But... He rescued us in that by sending his son all the way down the line and getting a bunch of really messed up people along the way to be in that line. Prostitutes, adulterers, drunks, people that shouldn't even be talked about are in the Bible because God wanted us to know that we didn't have to be perfect. We only are attained able to attain the perfection through Jesus when he covers us with his perfection. And it's through faith that we receive that. Through faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But he didn't just stop and just give us those things, which is all the things that I mentioned before. He gave us Christ's death and he gave us redemption when we shouldn't have deserved it. He didn't stop there because he gave us the Holy Spirit through his word. And that's what has been like the whole thing going through this is the Holy Spirit and his goodness and how we don't deserve it. So the thing about that is the thing that resurrected Jesus from the grave lives within us. The thing that resurrected Jesus from the grave lives within us. Those miracles, all those, yeah, the Holy Spirit. Because it's not 
it's not God who's in heaven and he, he loves us like a father. No, it's not Jesus who lived so many years ago. No, it's the Holy Spirit that resides around us and surrounds us all the time. So Jesus, before he left the earth, promised the Holy Spirit to us. And the way he did it was beautiful. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So at the very beginning, we read, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. His message is what gives us the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing that we can do to receive it. And there's no amount of goodness that we can have in our lives to get it. There's not enough volunteer work. There's not enough loving people to make it better for us because we're corrupt. Our free will is corrupt and we are condemned to hell. But he made a way because he knew that we wouldn't be perfect. He made a way through his son. His son died for us on our behalf as a perfect human being and took upon the curse so that we could live. And his promises beyond that were in the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, an advocate, someone that goes to Christ on our behalf because he knows that we can. Because if I try to talk to God on my own, it's just going to get messed up. And every time I try to do anything on my own, it's going to just get messed up. But because of the Holy Spirit that lives within me, I can do things that honor Christ. So I guess the way that I want to end this is are you trying to pretend? Are you trying to pretend like you're good enough? Like you can do it on your own? Like you think that the law and living in a certain way can make you better. But also, do you have the faith part? Because God tells us that faith without works is dead. So if we're not if we're not working too, if we're not working for the kingdom, then it's not real. But we can't just have a pretend religion. It's gotta be lived out. 
And we won't be able to live it out unless we have the Holy Spirit. Because every every time you try to do something right and you try to do something good, it will come out. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf so that we can do things for His glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're so good. We're so thankful for your word that renews and restores us. God, I pray that the words that I've spoken are not mine, but they're yours. God, I pray that as we listen to your word, that we realize the redemption within it. God, I pray that we don't take your Holy Spirit for granted. I pray that as we worship, we worship as though our, your resurrection power lives within us. You're not right.